episode of EdTech Hour is brought to you by the Educational Psychology Technology Program at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. The Chicago School's mission is integrating the values of education, innovation, service, and community. The Chicago School provides students innovative and practitioner-based learning experiences in which they're able to positively impact others around the world and address issues faced by underserved populations. Through collaboration of university administration, faculty, and students, the EdTech Hour was created in order to pursue our vision of innovation and global outreach. This monthly podcast series will include thought leaders from around the world who will discuss relevant issues centered not only on technology, but also the impact of technology on humanity. Speakers will provide listeners with stories of how they have impacted learners, employees, and communities through the pursuit of understanding how individuals learn and use technology to improve performance. This show provides a global medium to share and promote various issues and developments and learning and how professionals are utilizing technology. By listening to the show, I hope that you are able to develop a unique insight into how you can incorporate similar topics and trends into your own professional settings. I look forward to learning more about our topic with you throughout this episode. Perez, the founder and CEO of iLearn Collaborative, has been identified by the U.S. Department of Education as a national-level expert in K-12 online and blended learning based on her contribution to research and blended learning program implementation. Prior to founding iLearn Collaborative, she directed district-wide blended learning at Jeffco Public Schools in Colorado and was influential in assisting the district in raising their accreditation status from turnaround to performance accreditation. Judy's background includes many aspects of education from science teacher, assistant principal, principal, district leader, and CAO for the Charter School Institute at the Colorado Department of Education. Throughout her 30-year career as an educational professional, she has implemented district-wide and statewide innovative learning environments, which has impacted over 100 Colorado school districts, and it is our pleasure to have her here today to share her vast experience and insight with us. Hello, Judy. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed working with and learning from iLearn Collaborative through previous conferences and professional development opportunities. And I'm excited to share with others what you all are about. Um, from what I understand, ILC began in 2009 as a way to connect school districts who were beginning to integrate online programs in their schools. And now your organization provides professional development and training for teachers to enhance student-centered learning. Um, can you kind of just elaborate on how you became interested in this part of the education field? <laughs> Sure. Um, first of all, thanks for having me. And um, yeah, you know, um, in, in 2009, actually, is kind of where the idea started. Uh, I was at Jeffco Public Schools, uh, and I was uh, the director of e-learning. Um, and I, I was kind of a part of an informal group of other administrators in other districts across Colorado, um, and quickly uh, learned that, um, you know, it was rare to find someone who had experience in online or blended learning back in 2009. Um, and so a lot of districts were working with, with, uh, us at Jeffco and I was sharing lots of resources and, and, um, yeah, uh, especially digital content and some consulting, you know, with other districts on, on, you know, kind of this, this environment. Um, and, 
the group realized over, you know, um, over during that time was that we really needed more of like a formalized state level organization um, for someone to do this full time and help districts across the state kind of understand and grow in this space and innovation. So um, going down a few years in 2013, um, I was given an opportunity by some local foundations um, that asked if I would be interested to start a nonprofit. And so I did. And um, that's where all of these services were able to become more uh, streamlined and available to all districts across the state. Um, and that was the consulting, the PD, and the uh, now the digital content under open license resources. So it, that's where it all started. Awesome. Can you explain a little bit about what open license resources are for people who might not be familiar with that? Sure. So open license resources um, in, in our space is predominantly digital content. And um, this actually work started um, when, again, when I was in Jeffco and uh, we were uh, using digital content from content providers. So we had to pay out for full-length digital courses. This was for our district's new online school. And then also um, to offer full digital content to teachers anywhere in our district um, who wanted access for blended learning. And so um, we created our own repository and we were able to share and scale that out with all teachers without having to pay extra for accounts, you know, per teacher, per student. And then now at the state level, um, we uh, very much believe in that same concept to uh, help districts not pay an enormous amount of money that, that, that actually could be very limiting on their ability to scale blended learning. And so through open license, uh, what we did was we took all of our courses and uh, licensed them um, in Creative Commons with a license that allows us to share with any district or local education agency who wants access to the digital content uh, for free and um, therefore being able to help them um, uh, sustain programs, again, without having to pay an enormous amount of money. So open license allows you to share without, pay, without them having to pay for the ability to access content and then share that out with their own um, folks and their own organizations. Yeah, we, we all know how tight school budgets can be these days. So that's just such a great opportunity for, for people to be able to have access to. Um, and, and, you know, your organization talks a lot about student-centered learning. And um, just in best practice, we know that that's so important. And I was wondering if you could kind of share in, in what ways do you see the current scenario of, of a lot of learn at home um, impacting the student-centered learning approach? Well, I, I think that it has to even make it more laser focused, uh, you know, because those students who are having to learn from home will need even more of that individualized attention or, or focus. And um, how, how blended learning and or virtual learning can, can support student-centered learning is really um, uh, through the technology that can be leveraged um, and allow um, us to actually create or choose the digital content 
that best suits the individual learner. And what's what makes it easier in a in an environment where technology um, allows you to maybe streamline that work or or be able to offer that more directly to a student and 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 certainly with the teacher you know being very very involved because there's no um the 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 role of the teacher is not minimized in the space if anything it's actually um accentuated in the space and so teachers are able to um create pathways um in a digital environment that could be interactive um, could support student learning needs um, by pulling in different um, kinds of content or curriculum, um, but then also like a specialist, like a special education teacher or special needs teacher can have that same access to some of the activities or the content that is being shared with students who maybe need um, more time or maybe have um, some um, needs in which they need to uh, focus and practice on on skills um, that can be shared with the special needs teacher. So in this space, um, all can access that who um, then uh, focuses on the student's learning needs. So there's a more of that student-centered focus um, element in there. And also, um, you know, um, in another situation, students who uh, maybe accelerate in math, let's say as an, as an example, um, you can choose curriculum or content from higher level uh, courses uh, and, and you can mix that in um, with what they're learning currently for deeper learning. Um, and then also parents can access or have access to that curriculum so that while they're at home, they're able to support the student as if, if needed. Um, but then again, you know, it's not just a general um, curriculum. It's actually built to, to uh, create pathways or individual learning pathways for these students, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, you kind of actually led into my next question. I know that ILC talks a lot about equity in education and, you know, just kind of reflecting on our current scenario with, with a lot of uh, students who are going to be learning at home. And I, I think about equity in education being a, a big um, hurdle for us sometimes in this environment. And so I was wondering if um, you could just kind of share um, what you see as key to uh, teachers providing that equity in education in their practice when students are learning from home. That is a big question. And I think there's a couple of different approaches. Um, you know, the, one of the reasons why I agreed to start a nonprofit is because when I was at Jeffco uh, working with many other districts in the state, I saw a huge disparity between what we had, you know, we were a really big district uh, compared to what most districts did not have. And so part of the reason why we exist, ILC, is because we wanted to close that gap of students who don't have access to um, you know, certain levels of technology or trained teachers who understand how to leverage technology to enhance or improve some instruction um, and, and meet learning needs maybe a little bit um, more uh, efficiently where they could have access um, offline. So not when they're always in the classroom, but also having access to some learning when they're at home. Um, and, and so um, filling in those gaps, uh, again, there were the three main areas in which we saw 
the gaps of what we had in our district and what most districts didn't have. And that was um, experienced staff and leadership who really knew how to implement um, not just blended learning, but quality instructional practice using technology. So that's the consult, consult support and also the PD support. And then the biggest thing that we found missing across the board because it was in some cases unattainable because it was so expensive, that was the digital content, uh, quality digital content um, that I would say the majority of the districts did not have, you know, um, had the ability to access because either was too expensive, um, or if they did pay for it, it was just for a very small number of students in a district and not every student would have that access. As far as the teacher's ability to help create more equity in, in their instruction, you know, again, that, that, that really goes hand in hand with that training piece and then also that, that curriculum piece. When teachers uh, are trained, not only are they trained on how to instruct using technology, but then also how to create using technology. So if you're given, um, you know, a course, uh, what we really emphasize with these courses is they were made to be customized by the teachers using them so that if, you know, um, you know, they're, they're, they're solid courses, they align to state standards, but that's really where they are. The, the, the beauty in what a teacher can do is then to get their hands in that course um, lesson by lesson or however they want to do it. We train them on how to do this and insert new curriculum um, curriculum that aligns with what's going on currently in education and around the world and society and culture and so on, and make it um, so that maybe it's more culturally relevant, especially at the local level. So if you have a teacher, you know, teaching in an urban setting compared to in a rural setting, you know, they can they can customize the same course, but it could look a little bit different depending on where they are and where the students are. So that's, you know, that's powerful. And then they get to keep the courses. They don't have to give them back and start over again. And that really, really empowers teachers um, and they love it. Yeah, I would agree. I, I feel like empowering teachers is, is so key to, to not only their success, but student success as well. And um, I think you bring up a great point that it's not just integrating um, technology into this, it's it's also integrating quality instruction and, and you guys provide that. And I think that's, um, that's awesome. Um, in considering teachers who are new to blended learning, what's the biggest misunderstanding that these teachers have regarding blended learning and how can that misunderstanding be best addressed? Um, it's a, that's a good question. You know, we, we, we now work with teachers who are just entering um, the, the, you know, uh, their careers or teaching careers for the first time. And then veteran teachers who have been, you know, in, in their, um, in their roles for 30 years, 30 plus years. Um, what we've seen coming into um, um, our education environment, it seems like they're more excited to learn about blended learning because what they really quickly realize is that that's the way they've been learning at the university level. I, we've heard a lot of that feedback. Oh, this is what we do at the university, but that's how they're learning. And so they didn't call it blended learning. It was just, that's just what they did. You know, from the, the day that they step into a, a higher ed institution, they're given learning management system account and 
it, it's made very clear to them from the professors, we're going to be learning, um, you know, in class, but also you're going to be online, you know, doing some work. And so they just never called it blended. Where I think the pre-service teachers, and we've worked with some from a, a couple of local universities um, who attended our conferences in the past have said, we're not getting this training on how to do this from a teacher's perspective for students in the classroom in, in K-12 education. And so I think that was the biggest, um, the, the biggest disconnect with these teachers. They know how to do it based on what the, how they've learned at the university level, but there has been little to no formal training that has been included in their in their um, degree programs that that go into you know this space. Um, I know that's starting to change, especially with the COVID um, you know um, environment, the impact that we're all um, experiencing, but. You know, there's also some good news in that we have partnered with three universities in Colorado that really love our training. And we've had some, um, uh, some of them say, hey, can we have some of our pre-service teachers just take a course? And so we've actually opened up a couple of our courses to pre-service teachers and they, they ate it up and they were able to get the, um, the badges and the micro-credentials to go with it so that when they apply for new jobs, they'll be able to put that on their resume. So they've really enjoyed it. That's awesome. I wish that would have been an opportunity when I was going through my through my pre-service program um, because I, I had to go to, up to a, a doctorate level education before I you know, was truly exposed to this, this type of learning environment. So, mm -hmm. um, so that's great to hear. Uh, as, as teachers get into their blended learning environment, what are some of the best ways that they can empower their students um, through blended learning? Well, blended learning, when you go deeper, um, you know, from the introduction, uh, and, 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 and what I mean by that is there's kind of like a spectrum of getting into blended learning. So um, usually teachers will start with just like we call it dipping their toes in. So using some elements of blended learning, usually that involves how to um, leverage the technology by the use of a platform and getting kids used to just kind of using a platform to... Um, to interact with others, um, to uh, do, um, do some activities, you know, or um, some kind of light work in that space uh, until they become more comfortable with it. And what seems to be more like uh, the default factors that students then start to, to um, engage with are the ability to manage their time the ability to organize this space within this space, um, because once they start to get comfortable with it, they do want to take some next steps. And, and some of that also, which empowers the students, and they don't even realize that it's, it's, it's formally called empowering students. It's just the things that they want to do with that. And I've seen it with my own two sons because they both have been blended um, learners for quite a long time, but they really like being able to then manage how much time they are online and learning, quote unquote learning, and then also being able to, uh, you know, learn in chunks or maybe they um, uh, want a little bit more autonomy so they can go and do some deeper dives into some of their studies and, and um, you know, have discussions with others, um, with their teachers, 
to see, hey, you know, I, I really like dinosaurs or whatever. Um, can I do this, you know, this type of um, project if I can show you, you know, kind of what I've learned? And so uh, we've seen more and more of those conversations happening. And even with the teachers offering some of those options that maybe were a little more difficult in the classroom. But um, that's really empowering. Um, when they start to manage again, their learning, which includes time and space, um, and pace, some, um, students that uh, may, let's say again, are accelerated in, in reading, they may have the opportunity to, um, access other, uh, content, which could be assigned by the teacher, which gives them a different, um, level of learning that keeps them engaged. So, um, and, and, and so all of these factors kind of combined or one at a time does make the student feel more comfortable and, and, and gives them a little bit more ownership of their learning and how they learn. Awesome. Yeah, I, I love it when my students get excited about learning. And um, I always feel like autonomy gives them a lot of motivation when they feel like they're in control. Um, they get really engaged and it's fun to see them just jump right in and be excited about learning. And I've, I've also seen similar uh, responses from my students in blended learning. So um, fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, teachers have such a good um, way to impact their students with blended learning. And then I think, too, about the leaders in our school districts and our communities. Um, what ways do you think that leaders in education can make a positive impact on the school's ability to provide those resources for districts? Um, I, I, first of all, you know, just to have the open mind um, to know that uh, things are going to change and that change has to be embraced. <laughs> it's uncomfortable um, for some, um, you know, it, it wasn't always an easy thing for me either when I was a principal for a, a few online schools, especially the first online schools, um, you know, one of the first in the state. But having that open mind and also listening to your teachers, listening to your staff, um, because they're interacting directly with students, um, you know, more than you are as a leader, they will come up with ideas that either A, you never even thought of, uh, or B, maybe uh, something that you propose, they might, you know, their input can always affect it in positive ways, you know, and, and I know, you know, there have been times where I was just stubborn. I'm like, no, it's got to be this way, you know, because, because, but as I, as I grew, you know, in my leadership roles in, in my career, I, I saw the importance of being able to listen and, and listening not only to teachers, but to students, um, uh, you know, even listening to my own kids who were going through this, it was just eye-opening. And that, I think that allows you to evolve as a leader. Um, and then um, really important to keep up with where the teachers are. I think for me, those two were probably um, not the hardest, um, but they were essential in, in, in my growth as a leader. Uh, if, if the teachers were going well beyond where I was, you know, with their PD and their, and their own experiences, that would make me an, an ineffective leader. So I always had to uh, make sure that I was getting my own professional development 
that was aligned with where we were moving um, in in education. So, yeah, that's kind of that. Those are the two elements I think for me anyway. Yeah, I you know we always ask our teachers to do reflecting and our students to do reflecting in their learning and growing process. And I think sometimes as leaders, it's easy for us to forget that that's important for us yeah. too. <laughs> I always find myself grow the most when I when I reflect and I think back on how something really looked versus how I how I wanted it to look and how I wanted it to change. And um, that's easy. That's easy to, to <laughs> oversee sometimes or to overlook sometimes. So yeah. um, what uh, advice would you give to schools or teachers who are currently transitioning um, to distance learning? And some of them are doing this very quickly. Um, you may know at the end of last year, we weren't really doing uh, true teaching. It was crisis teaching almost. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, now everyone is trying to kind of plan and transition for that if possible. And, and what advice would you give them? Well, you know, as long as I've been doing this work, I started in online education about 20 years ago. And um, my experience back then was it felt like I was starting all over again. And I had 13 years in, in uh, teaching and in administration. I was a principal um, when I first got into online education. Um, and I just felt like I felt like a brand new teacher all over again. The learning curve was almost like a straight line straight up. And and I, you know, it was a difficult year. That first entire year was really difficult, but I have always told teachers who, who, you know, came into the online education space, look, it's going to be really difficult for you at the beginning. It's going to feel like you're starting all over. And, and it may be that way for an entire year, but you will get more and more comfortable in this space. You will learn what works and what doesn't. And I can promise you that um, you're not alone. You know, there. Everyone else is is feeling the way you are. What will be the 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 essential practices and skills that you always need to make sure you're taking care of? One is communication, communicating with the students and the parents, um, fellow teachers, um, and number two really is just knowing that the students know that you really are caring about how they're doing. That and, and that's just the bottom line for any good teacher, right? That that's just good teaching. And um, you know, I've always also uh, you know shared with others that if you're a good teacher in the classroom, you're going to be a really good teacher online. It, that 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 um, that skill, those skills that you have, do transfer over into a virtual space. It's just you'll you'll have more. Um, you may have more difficulty with the actual technology, which you can learn that will come, but um, practice what you always do well, and that will come through to the children. And that will also in turn keep them more engaged than if they feel like you're frustrated and you just don't want to do this and you're unhappy, that will also come, come through on their end. So I, I know it's, it, maybe it's simplistic, but um, it seems to really be true. I, there's never been a time where I didn't see that that was the case. You know, technology does not come before how much a teacher cares about um, what he or she is is doing and what how he or she interacts with students. Yeah, you bring up a great point that good teaching is good teaching regardless of of the mode of of presentation and. Um, 
So I, I think that that's great for teachers to hear because I think a lot of them sometimes get very intimidated by the <laughs> thought of having to bring bring that in. Um, you know, those new things are so scary. So it is. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're a good teacher in the classroom, um, you know, just adapting and modeling what we preach, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. For our students, so that's that's awesome. Yeah, and I've always told teachers please ask as many questions as you need to. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't tell you how many times teachers have been like, I didn't want to bug you, you know, or I have this question, but I know you're busy. You know, it's for, for a leader, especially the, the, the teachers need to feel very comfortable and encouraged to ask as many questions as possible, because that's how they're going to learn. And it is very likely that 10 other teachers have the same questions and so if they if you create an environment in which they feel safe and secure asking questions even if they think it's a dumb question you know there's no dumb questions but that is going to help them grow faster and feel more confident in the space um, um, i i think that's that's another really big key is ask as many questions as you need to and even if you repeat the question you've got to you've got to feel like you can do that yeah, and, and feeling safe taking risks. And, and you know, mm -hmm. we, we encourage that of our students, too, to feel safe taking risks. So um, yeah. I, I, I love it when my, when my teachers are willing to take a risk, and, and it is scary. But usually the outcome is amazing. Um, so um, what specific practice or set of practices do you see as having the biggest impact on student learning? <laughs> um, well, I think I just named them. Um, I think yes. I omitted um, maybe just some level of, of initial organization. You know, mm -hmm. in 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 any online school that is worth you know uh, that has um, implemented good practice, there's always a time that will be needed for some onboarding. And during that onboarding time, and this is for teachers and then also for students. Um, but during onboarding, you know. Um, Again, we emphasize communication skills. We emphasize, uh, you know, um, we give, uh, we share templates of what, you know, some examples of good communication virtual spaces can look like, you know, email, texts, and all that stuff. Um, but organization will also be really important. Um, scheduling, making sure that, um, you know, consistency is, is established. Um, Students do like something that is organized, something that is consistent so that they understand what's expected of them on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and again, I, I don't think I'm saying anything that is mind-blowing or different than what we do in our classrooms. Um, but when teachers move into an environment that is foreign to being in a classroom, they think that there's got to be other skills that I need to know. And, and usually they relate that with technology. And that's usually what maybe um, kind of um, creates an adverse situation or very, um, uh, it's, it's scary, it's the unknown. But, but if, they, if, if they think about, you know, all, everything that I said, organization, communication, um, scheduling, consistency, um, making sure that student, students know what to expect on a weekly basis, whatever it might be, you lay out, here's what we're doing for the week, each day, these are the things we're focusing on. It's the same thing as transferring that into a virtual environment, but use a learning management system or a calendar or Google Classroom works really well. I mean, any of these technology tools will offer the platform in which you can then set these these important um, 
uh, uh, skills or, or convey these messages, which makes students feel comfortable too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, we talked a little bit about, about barriers um, to some um, extent with blended learning and um, student-centered learning with equity and things like that. But um, I, I know, I'm sure there are other barriers that schools experience, such as budget issues and things like that. Um, so if you could remove all of those barriers, if those barriers just didn't exist, um, what's the first change that you would make to just a general classroom setting? It's a dream world, right? <laughs> um, I, 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 I'm trying to interpret the question. I am in a classroom setting, in a virtual space. Um, so, is that so, yeah. So, if we think about, um, uh, you know, schools who are trying to transition to blended learning um, and integrate that into their setting, um, but they have barriers that they're facing. If, oh, if all the okay. barriers were removed, what's the first change that you would make? Well, I, I would, I would probably introduce students to this this quote unquote new way of teaching and learning. Um, but I wouldn't say it's new. It would be like, here's what we're doing in this classroom this year. Uh, and you know what? It, it actually, it, it's, I'm going to answer that more from a parent's perspective because um, when, you know, um, my, my, my sons are both um, already graduated and, and at college, but um, when they were in these classrooms that were blended classrooms, the the, the teachers that made it really clear on, on a, a, and set the tone for the year were those teachers that said, here's what this classroom is going to look like this year. You know, and, and for example, one of the um, blended um, classrooms um, was a, um, a self-blend um, and, and they reported to class, I think it was two or three days a week. And the other times they were off site and they did their learning wherever they were. And it was made very clear from the first day of class here's what we're going to be doing. Here are the expectations. Um, and for those of you who, um, uh, you know, meet these expectations, you then will be working offsite and onsite, you know, we'll meet three days a week in the classroom, but two days, you're going to be able to do this through the platform, the learning management system. And you take them through that, you train them on that first week. Uh, it, it's just like, uh, this is normal, you know, kind of, this is the normal classroom. Um, therefore, students don't, you know, they, it's not a, a scary thing. Um, you know, when you're using a learning management system, it should be, uh, it should flow, interact with what the students are doing in the classroom. Um, expectations set for how do you work in, in a virtual space and the classroom space. When you're in the classroom, um, you're going to be expected to do X, Y, Z. This is how it will look. Um, you will, will have, um, you know, groups of students who will be uh, taking what they've learned in, online when they weren't in the classroom on these days, but then we'll be doing project work, work in the classroom that will just flow from what you, what you were learning online. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it really set the tone for my sons to feel excited, first of all, because it was different and they really loved it. They loved that they had um, some control over their schedule. And, um, you know, um, in English, I'll give you an example. They, they, both of them didn't like English for whatever reason. And so what they really liked about the option was that they could then 
learn English in chunks um, rather than sitting through an English class for 50 minutes, um, you know, doing whatever they were doing, stage on the stage or whatever, because they just didn't like being forced to sit in a class and just learn English for 50 minutes every day. Um, and they ended up doing really well in their English classes um, because they could do maybe 20 minutes here, 15 minutes there. There were activities they could interact with online. And so having that type of an environment in a classroom, really breaking it up so that students now felt like they weren't just sitting and getting, but they were actually participating in their learning um, was really exciting. I know I'm speaking in generalities, but that's kind of like the environment in which I would have loved to be able to teach. Um, and I do truly believe that blended models of instruction should be accessible to any student. I think blended is for every student. Now, having said that, I also believe that fully online the whole way through is not for every student. I think that maybe less than 5% of the student population um, should be fully online for a variety of reasons, you know, but blended is for everybody because this is going to be what they experience post-secondary. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good warm-up for them, for sure. And it is. Um, that autonomy and choice, um, for some of my students, they love that they can pick when, you know, within reason when they do their math, because, <laughs> um, you know, that for them a lot of times is challenging and, and they need those mental breaks. Yeah. So that's great. Um, and you talked a lot about the perspective of the student when, with regards to your sons. And, um Regarding best practice, you shared a lot about what that looks like. Um, is there anything specific that you would say that was most impactful as far as best practice goes from your um, from your student your um, children's perspective? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I, I think two things that they loved out of this, and and just by the way, um, they were my sons were the ones who actually got me deeper into the blended learning environment. And that was again, 20 years ago when I saw the impact and the potential of what this meant to their learning. Um, and this was really at the inception of online education where I thought, Oh, that's going to be a fad. It's going to go away. I'm just going to do this for a year or two. And then I'm going to go back into the brick and mortar building and go back to traditional education and that never changed because I saw the change in my kids. And the two things that they loved about it was being able to um, learn with a little bit of technology um, implemented in, in their learning and being able to manage that, like participate in that. Um, and, and because it, it gave them the flexibility that they that they wanted and needed and they didn't realize they needed it until they were doing it. Um, and that was all through high school. The, the flexibility that they had in their learning was enormous. It was an enormous impact on, on them. And, and they actually really loved to be able to manage that. The second thing um, was keeping them engaged in their learning. One example from that was when my youngest son was in sixth grade, which is elementary school in Jeffco Public Schools. Um, I happened to be working in Jeffco at the time. We set up a, a program so that students who were accelerated in, in whatever subject areas 
they could access learning that normally would have required a parent to drive them to a middle school or a high school to get algebra, you know, to learn algebra. And so what this, this, this environment allowed for them was for them to stay with their peers in their elementary classrooms, but then learn at an accelerated rate by being um, offered the curriculum and a teacher who, who was trained on blended learning to, to keep them interested and engaged in what they were learning rather than being bored in the classroom. And so I think it, it helped them from, from that, that boredom or, you know, put, potentially being bored in all, you know, in, in just having to do a full day of classes going from one class to the next. So that variety and that flexibility in their learning was key. I think they both loved it. And then that's why they always chose blended learning classrooms as part of their regular schedules. Yeah, that's great. Um, and knowing how great blended learning has has been for, for you and for our community and, and what you've seen in it, um, I noticed that, I, I think it was your website that said that you guys are reaching out internationally now. Is that right? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we haven't reached out, but they've come to us. Uh, oh, that's yes, great. Which has been interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're a small nonprofit based out of Colorado. And um, and, and the work that we have here is, is great. You know, we, it, it's, it's our passion is focusing on our state, but, you know, through word of mouth and through other networks and connections, um, we've had folks reach us from Switzerland, um, Africa, Israel, um, Columbia, South America, asking if we would offer teacher training to teachers in their country. So we have done some of that work. We've actually trained teachers in all of those countries, um, you know, not in large amounts, but the the need is worldwide. It's a global need. And I would say that most countries are, are behind where we are in the States. Um, so it's been an honor and, uh, very exciting to be able to provide support for others outside of the U S. Do you guys have additional goals for your international, um, (laughs) international program or are you kind of just waiting to see what that turns out to be? Yeah, you know, I I think we're just kind of sitting back. Um, You know, we don't have a marketing or sales budget. Um, Everything that we receive goes right back into our program. And, and, you know, we're, we are supported by the state of Colorado. As you guys know, we have a wonderful program um, in which we were selected to provide training to Colorado Mm -hmm. teachers. And so that, you know, we are fulfilled with that. And, 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 um, you know, you can get lost if you yeah. intentionally go internationally. And right now, I th- I'm our team is very happy doing what we're doing and doing <laughs> it well. As long as it doesn't take away from our work in Colorado, then we're fine to do it. But um, anyone who's reached out to us, um, even outside of Colorado, within other states, and have asked for our services, we've been able to provide them because we also leverage technology. And so we practice what we preach. But um, you know, the, the work is still coming. We're still getting, um, you know, more requests from other countries. And so as long as we are able to provide it without um, compromising our work in Colorado, we will continue to do that. Well, I'm sure they're glad to have your help. So, um, you know, thinking about how things in education have evolved over many, many years, uh, blended learning being, being um, kind of this next thing that many school districts are going to, 
What do you see blended learning evolving as um, in the near future? Do you see anything coming uh, additionally out of this or, um, or what, what, what's your vision for it and, and what do you foresee? <laughs> wow. I think that's the first time I've been asked that question <laughs> no in pressure. a while, you know, because blended learning for me was a vision, you know, mm -hmm. years ago when I was like, oh my gosh, this has so much potential. And over the years, I think, um, you know, of course, my vision is, is kind of aligned to what I said before. I think every student should be exposed to some sort of blended learning, you know, um, access uh, because I think it 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 is very um, it it's positive for them in so many ways, and it builds up skills that are defaulted, you know, the organization and and things like that. But you know, blended learning, um, it really it it's it's a method of instruction. It's not an educational model. And 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 in my mind, I have this graphic where if you think about a hot air balloon, um, blended learning is at the base. It's the basket, right? And uh, if there is a line straight out from that basket, I would put technology there um, as an aside. But then all of the strings that um, are, are um, connected to the balloon, bringing it up, would be the different educational models. So blended learning supports personalized learning, competency-based learning, mastery-based learning, um, um, problem-based learning. I mean, all different kinds of educational models can be supported by this instructional method, whereas blended learning is not an educational model. It really is just a means to support different ways of, uh, of creating um, an, uh, an educational space that's innovative. So that's really my vision and the way I think blended learning fits in this space. Um, I think that um, technology will always improve, and so you'll see different resources and tools. Um, you know, I, I think there's a huge evolution, even, you know, Google Classroom, I, I from, from what my staff says, it'll probably be a fully functioning LMS in the very, very near future. And what, you know, to, to not uh, have to worry about, you know, little uh, rural districts that say paying an enormous amount of money for maybe some technology, I think that you're going to see other um, other tools that will emerge that either will be free or very low cost, therefore bringing more access and sustainability to scale out um, blended learning and other methodologies for districts who maybe otherwise may not be able to afford it. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's the case, that actually blended brings more equity um, uh, and, and closes more gaps. Oh, wow. That would be amazing for sure. How great to envision that and think about that. And um, I hope that you're right. <laughs> I do. I really <laughs> do. <too. laughs> um, but, you know, I, just in kind of reflecting and how, how things have changed so quickly recently in the field of education and how quickly we've had to adapt. And, um, you know, I see a lot of teachers and, and sometimes even administrators frustrated and, and down on themselves sometimes. And so I'm just curious, what keeps you inspired as, as you move through this unique time in, in the field of education? Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I'm not inhuman and I, I do go through that too. You know, I, I think especially now I have days where I'm like, when is this going to be over? Because it's just, it, you know, to not be able to go out and socialize on a, you know, as much as, as we have in the past, that, that's, that's weighing on me as well. But, you know, the inspiration one is that this is only a year of a lifetime. So, you know, I'm, I'm 54 <laughs> and, um, 
one year is not going to be the end of me. And there's, um, you know, so, so yeah, I can live through this for a year and we've got a whole future ahead of us. Um, the, I think the second thing is that because there, this has increased the need even more. And what I find sad, but then also exciting is because we're in the space with the impact of a virus, our, our services are in the highest demand that, you know, I've ever seen in my entire career. Um, which is, I don't like that. That's the reason why we are in this space. Um, but I also encourage that we are offering solutions that people find very valuable. And as long as people find value in what we offer, I am that that's just very, um, inspiring and, and keeps me going. Um, I really do want to help as many as possible that will find what we offer helpful. So, so that just will keep me going for a long time. So I, I, I do, I am, um, I am very happy in what I'm doing right now to be able to help. That's great. Yeah. And you're very much appreciated as is everyone on your staff. We always enjoy working with you all when we get the chance. So um, I thank you. Yeah. I just want to thank you so much for, for joining me today and sharing your experience and um, your wealth of knowledge on all of this. And uh, it is a difficult time, I think, for our teachers and our educational leaders. And I think it's definitely, um, you know, the positivity and the options that um, people like I, uh, you and ILC bring uh, to our tables is really important in, in keeping us going. So oh, well, thanks. I, yeah. I will have to say, you know, this, we would never be where we are without the staff at ILC. I, I cannot say enough about their wealth of experience, knowledge, how they interact with people and that they really do care. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I am in love with my staff. <laughs> They're very caring and there's no way we would be where we are without them. So I appreciate you acknowledging yeah. the staff. Yeah, they do an amazing job. So yeah, thank but you. I really appreciate you, you sharing that with us today and, and joining me and, and thank you very much. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to this edition of EdTech Hour. I'm Dr. Kelly Torres, the Department Chair of the Educational Psychology and Technology Program of the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. This podcast was completed through the support of our dedicated faculty, staff, and students. To learn more about the Educational Psychology Technology Program, or if you're interested in being on the EdTech Hour podcast, please reach out to me at ktorres at the chicagoschool.edu.